Welcome to My Moon Time. In this recording, we do have some adult language. You may choose to want to listen with your headphones on. If so, now's the time. Uh, all right, perfect. Hi, welcome. I'm Dana of My Moon Time, and this is Dr. Thomas McCombs. Did I say that correctly? You did. Thank you. <laughs> he is my osteopath, and we are here today to talk a little bit about um, osteopath and our menstrual cycles and better pregnancies and orgasms and how um, the function of our body and our female body work and work so well with osteopath stuff. So um, I'll have you introduce yourself. Okay. And <laughs> well, I've got Tom McCombs. I've been an osteopathic physician uh, 35 years. And I'm going to show three different approaches to help normalize the mechanics of uh, reproduction, menstruation, and uh, pituitary function. We'll begin with the patient face down. So this is not do it yourself. <laughs> this is not show your friend. This is being performed by a medical professional and it's to be shown so that you can have a medical professional perform this for you. Okay. Our first stop is to evaluate the sacrum which is the final bony route through which all the nerves to the pelvis, a little pelvis, the uterus, will travel. And I'll evaluate that first here at the pelvis. I'll be springing, what we call aesthetically springing the sacroiliac joint. Left one works very well, slides up and down as it should. The right one does not. The right one is stuck superior, what aesthetically we call it a superior innominate shear. I'm going to treat that with a small tug administered to the sacroiliac from, from her leg. This is happening off screen. There we go, okay. So once you have a basic operational symmetrical sacroiliac relationship on both sides, then we can treat the intraosseous sacrum. This is, this is where we have a real handle on the efficiency of uterine peristalsis and on the efficiency of orgasm. Okay, so we will start, find the sacral dimples and set in thumb and finger pad and then set in right above it. This puts me at L5 with my left hand my headward hand and my tail hand is on S1. Okay. Now, as I land, I am assessing the mechanical relationships between them. Is If there is a strain between them, the strain is attempting to displace the bones in a particular direction. And in her case, at this moment, L5 is strained to the right and the sacrum to her left. I will reproduce that strain until the tissue under my hands relaxes and feels symmetrical. I've, I've carried her sacrum towards me and L5 away. Now I'm going to fine tune that rotating L5, S1, listening for the tissue texture of her back and pelvis to tell me that I got it right. And as I treat, the strains resolve between L5 S1. I put her back level and then I retest. And L5 S1 should be able to be moved in both directions, the same amount with the same amount of force. Once I've got that, 
then I'm going to move the same tools to S1, S2. So my left hand's in the sacral dimples on S1, and then my right hand on S2 from outside of the clothing. Once again, assess the two segments for strain between them. Now, these segments were supposed to have fused in her mid-20s, but they are still going to fuse with the strains they carried at the time. And S2 is towards me, S1 is away from me. I will reproduce that strain and exaggerate that strain and fine tune that strain until I've reproduced the exact strain between these two segments. And then watch, I bring my elbows up and I pronate a little more and pry S2 away from S1. very easily resolves, and then I retest. And both segments should move in the same direction, the same displacement with the same amount of force. So I've just treated the S1, S2 relationship, move one segment further south, S2, three. And the pattern is replaced. The, the inferior segment is strained towards me, the superior segment is strained away. I translate them into the position of ease, reproducing the exact vector that these two segments were stuck into each other 20 years ago. And then slowly work the bone loose. And back to center. Okay. And now, at now S3 is at the apex of the curve. And S4 is gonna be just beyond it. At this time, I can operate from the side of the sacrum rather than just from the back because we're now free of the pelvis. There we go. Okay. So in each case, I've grabbed the inferior most segment and brought it to ease and twisted it into a best relationship with the segment above it. Now I'm going to retest or recheck. S1 is level, S2 is level. S3 is level, S4 is level. At this point, there's only one thing left to do. I'm, now I know where S4, 5 is. I want to put the pad of my thumb on S4, 5 and the heel of my other hand across S1. And I will do a sacral segmental decompression. And switch to the heels of my hand on both parts of the sacrum. Pull the segments away from each other along the long axis of the sacrum. Yes. Attempt to undo the 4011 times we fell upon our butts. <laughs> All in one treatment. Okay. So what I've accomplished here, by taking her, taking the strains from the sacrum and giving her a more symmetrical sacrum, the nerve supply to the right fallopian tube and the right half of the uterus is coming from the right half of the sacrum. The nerves from the left half of her sacrum innervate the left fallopian tube and the left half of her uterus. Now they are side by side, talking to each other at the same time, listening to the same beat on the same drum, and they're going to make a smooth, even constriction to force out a menstruation, to uh, you know, labor out a baby. All, all in here. That's one, two, three, four. Okay. In addition, this is the parasympathetic fibers and parasympathetics 
uh, traveling forward to the to the uterus are about orgasm, parasympathetics traveling to uh, Bartholin glands and Skene's glands and induce their uh, secretions. Okay, so having a healthy sacrum is essential to healthy sexuality and a lowering the pain of, of menses. Sunny side up, please. Okay. There's two evaluations that I want to make in the abdomen. The first is the general abdominal motility. I want to rest my hand on the abdomen and feel what's happening underneath it. And what should be happening is all the intestinal structures should be sliding, gliding, lubricated over each other with peritoneal fluid like a bucket of buttered snakes on a warm summer's day. If I feel that underneath there, we're doing well. Not bad, not bad. The guts move easily. They get out of my way with a very, very little displacing force. That, that's healthier. If I land on this and it is rigid underneath the abdominal muscles, not rigid abdominal muscles, but rigid underneath, then I'm worried about endometriosis and abdominal adhesive disease. Okay, but this abdomen, this abdomen is clean. Uh, but the third thing I'm gonna do with, uh, for the abdomen is the position of the uterus and bladder, which ideally are centered symmetrical in the low pelvis and face square ahead. I will lay my fanned out fingers on her low abdomen with the middle finger right above the pubic symphysis. And as my fingers land, I can sense the entire bladder uterus team is rotated left. I can turn it further to the left. I can't even get it to get centered in the pelvis when I try to turn it back to the right. So how we, how we deal with this? We land on the structure and very slowly turn it in the direction it's already straining. I'm gonna turn her further and further left, as left as I can get her to go. Once I've got her turned all the way to the left, I'm going to put a little more flexor tone into my fingers and grip bladder uterus and lift them up, lift them superiorly out of the low pelvis towards the chest. And when they come up, I'm going to turn them straight. I'm turn them right where they belong and then set them back down. Very easy to do once you know that you can do it. And you want a centered bladder as, it, as hers is. Now this not only helps with menstruation, but very much helps with residual post-void urine. A couple of cc's of urine that is there after you've already urinated, that's habitat for bacterial infections, that's, that's leaks on your underwear after you stand up, and we help treat that with uh, bladder centering. Okay, now we go to the roof of the mouth and the cranium to speak to the pituitary gland. Osteopathically, the biomechanics of the cranial base influence pituitary secretion. The regular flexion and extension of the cranial base milks secretions from the hypothalamus at the base of the brain down the pituitary stalk into the pituitary through the diaphragm cella, a, a rooftop 
of uh, an awning of connective tissue over the pituitary, one hole in the center. If flexion and extension are break, uh, blocked, braced against from a blow to the face, caught a, caught a soccer ball in the face, or from uh, orthodonture, pulling the sides of the, of the teeth close together, the, um, the cranial motion will be inhibited. It will strain against the mouth that will not move. But the forward, the most rostral expression of the cranial mechanism is how the nasal septum pushes down and widens the molars on either side, widens the roof of the mouth, flattening it out. If that can happen, your pituitary can work. <laughs> if when the cranial base tries to flex, the mouth will not allow the teeth to move away from each other, then the nasal septum smashes into the roof of the mouth from the top and forces its way into the roof of the mouth through the intermaxillary suture. It's called a torus palatinus. The roof of your mouth should be a smooth dome. There shouldn't be anything in the midline except smooth dome. <laughs> if you run your finger or your tongue across the roof of your mouth and you feel a midline ridge, you've got a nasal septum pushing its way into your oral cavity due to pressure behind it. Now, while I've been talking, I have been releasing mechanical strains in my patient's skull. I do not recommend this technique just out of the blue. You have to work with the head for a bit before you try to go prying the pituitary free. But that said, what I shall do is glove up. And I'm going to go to the roof of her mouth. And I will treat it with the intent to both widen it and bring it forward, bring out the snout, I would tell my students. So I'm going to bring my finger pads into the roof of her mouth. And I'm going to feel around in here. Instead of the smooth dome here, her, the right side of her uh, jaw, her upper jaw, is pushed towards the midline. It's uh, the teeth on that side are much closer to the midline and higher up. Osteopathy, that's called internal rotation. I placed my finger pads up against the roof of the mouth. I found the internally rotated superior side and the in inferior side that's externally rotated. I reproduce those strains, take the upside up and the forward and the downside down. And I lift the entire complex towards wherever the tip of the nose is pointing. 10,000 forces hit the front of our faces. As we're growing up, nothing pulls us forward. <laughs> Everything pulls us back. So, um, bringing the palate forward. And my goal of treatment is to be able to widen the palate and it widens very easily and narrows very easily. That feels like widening, narrowing, widening, narrowing. As soon as that's easy, I, I, I'm ready to do the next thing. Next thing I'm going to do is treat the midline of the mouth. 
must set in my two finger pads of index in the right on the Rutherford mouth, one right behind the other. So I've got her nasal septum from beneath. Take my other hand and I secure the sphenoid bone. My target is the relationship between the undersurface of the sphenoid and the top of her nasal septum, which gets knocked off by blows to the face, <laughs> sleeping on one side than the other. And once again, I reproduce the strain pattern. Decompress, pulling the nose out further in the direction it was knocked, and then swing it back into midline. And my goal state is that the roof of the mouth rises and falls with the slightest little lift. It's called balotment. Is the roof of the mouth balot, <laughs> which is different from balance. Okay, so once I've got the roof of the mouth balotable, the, the vomer bone, the nasal septum, can rise and fall. That means that at the other end of the vomer bone, her sphenoid can freely move. And the pituitary held in the sphenoid can freely secrete. Now, the first time I did this technique, I didn't know what would happen. <laughs> and the patient uh, had a very positive mood for several days before her tongue swelled up. And I knew I had done that, but I didn't know how. <laughs> Turns out tongue swelling up is one of the symptoms of acromegaly. When the pituitary hormones are released without control and you have a surge of pituitary hormone, you get acromegaly. Andre the Giant was afflicted with acromegaly. And I gave that patient a very brief case of it because when I loosened the roof of her mouth and mobilized her vomer, her pituitary released all the hormone it had been sitting on for weeks. <laughs> and a flush pituitary hormone went through her. Okay, we're good. So thank cool. you. Thank you, thank you. Well, I had so many questions. Yes. Um, uh, well, first off, uh, this is my, as I mentioned before, <laughs> my doctor that I come to, I had many head injuries as a child. And so I finally came to you to work on that, which has been amazing. And um, one of the things that I learned from you as an osteopath, is not only a full-fledged doctor, but then an immense amount of training. And then you have a lot of specialties that I love. But one of the things that I love that I wish that every person in the United States would have osteopaths in every little corner of- Thank you. In the United States. And it's very common in other parts of the Euro, uh, world to have, I guess they're not MDs, but osteopaths. Like I talked to my friends in yes. from Europe and they're like, oh yeah, we do them all the time. Europe. They, they don't have full practice privileges. They, uh, their, their clinical privileges are essentially that of a chiropractor here in the United States. They can manipulate, but not much else. Okay, so cool. Well, so many um, people I know, women that are listening to this and watching this, they have a lot of menstrual issues and mm -hmm. you know, going through and listening to, there's so many holistic coaches out there that'll kind of walk someone, women through um, what to eat and supplements and stress levels. And so this is the piece that I'm like, this is not being talked about enough at all, the physical structure. component structure. Um, so I just love that. And I want to continue to repeat it on here over and over again for women that have everything you could think of, not 
wanting to have it, but you know, it's like what you said to me at another session about, you know, when we learn to walk, so many of us just fall and when we have a, um, a butt issue, we fall on our butts. It can cause issues with uh, later in life with menstrual problems and pregnancy, having a child and orgasms, which is what happens, happened with me. So this is just amazing. Um, what do we have here? So I have here a human skull specimen that I wish to uh, use to demonstrate where where I was and what I was doing. So to get oriented, let's look face on at her, okay? And then we'll look if we can into her nose and you see the midline structure going up and down. You see her, you see her nasal septum there right in the midline, okay? Now, if we look at the roof of her mouth, she does not have a torus. She does not have a midline ridge. She does not have the problem that I described. She's got other issues, but not that one. <laughs> okay. Uh, and the other end of that nasal septum, right here. You see the nasal septum. And we look at the nasal septum in front. Here we see the nasal septum in back coming up to the underskull right here. That's called the vaginal process, oddly enough, um, where, the, where the vomer bone meets the undersurface of the sphenoid. Why is that so important? Because just opposite that bone, here is the sphenoid, here is the cella tercica, where the pituitary is sitting, right where my pen is sitting, right there, okay? Right opposite that is the is the little wheel chocks that keep that mechanism from moving when it's locked up. So free up the mouth to free up the cranial base to free up the pituitary. So cool. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I know you've told me many stories. Um, so what are some of your I've had my some of my favorites, but what are some of your favorite client success stories um, that you can share with us. I took care of a uh, man in his late 30s who was anorgasmic for two years following a motor vehicle accident. He had uh, been uh, in a T-bone motor vehicle accident where the force had come in from the side and essentially the, the frame of the car jolted him from the side. And uh, he, could, he could sustain an erection, but he could not have an ejaculation. And uh, I knew immediately <laughs> from, from the description of that problem that the problem was in sacral intraosseous relationships and uh, treated him twice. And uh, the, 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 pro the, problem, <laughs> the problem resolved. And he, he was a little quick on the trigger for a while afterwards, but life isn't fair, it is balanced. And he's doing much better now. Um, The fibrotic conditions in the low pelvis are unnatural. <laughs> Mother Nature did not prepare us for penetrating abdominal wounds, did not prepare us to uh, survive surgeries, and anything that invades the abdomen will leave behind scarring that, that Mother Nature is not that familiar with. And it will, it will twist things, it will, it will cause nature to operate with, with restriction and a, little, and a little clumsiness. 
and using manipulation to clear those adhesions in the abdomen, I think is the best way to go. Part of fertility is the mobility of fallopian tubes. The ability of a fallopian tube to reach to an ovary <laughs> and take that egg and work it down, peristalsis towards the uterus. The egg's not doing that, the fallopian tube's doing that. And the ability to do that is provided neurologically through the sacrum. And the right sacral nerves innervate the right half of the uterus and the right fallopian tube. And the left half to the left. And if those are talking together well, you get a smooth uterine peristalsis that will turn, the technique I showed you will turn off menstrual pain at time of treatment. A smooth uterine peristalsis is vital for efficient labor and delivery. As painful as labor and delivery of a human being are, a mother will accept it if every labor pain puts that baby one centimeter closer to atmosphere. <laughs> it's when 10 hours of labor have gotten me nowhere that we have you know, the, the need for interventions and, and uh, surgeries and pitocin and things like that. Well, biomechanically efficient labor involves an efficient sacral relationship as well as efficient sacroiliac relationships and freedom, freedom from abdominal adhesive disease so that fertilized, ova can, or fertilized eggs can uh, make it all the way down into the uterus. And in treating, I, I have a patient in the practice now who's uh, was infertile, had uh, two dozen embryos on ice and was going through the implanting and nothing really was working and uh, treating all abdominal adhesions. And she went for vacation with her husband to Hawaii and got pregnant the regular way. <laughs> and her, her son is a patient of the practice now. So cool. Thank you. That's really, really, really cool. Um, Oh, would you talk a little bit about, um, you were telling me once about the woman who uh, went to an osteopath as her uh, country doctor mm -hmm. her entire life and you got to like check her out. She was like a pioneer woman, how strong she was. I think that was such a cool testament of how this work can just really help the body thrive. This was, a, this was in my saddle practice and uh, a woman called up for osteopathic care, and I, I didn't take Medicare at that time. And but, but, but doctor, I've only had DOs take care of me my entire life. She grew up in North Dakota, and all her primary care, all her, all her advanced care was coming from DOs. And whenever she was hurt, whenever she fell hard, her parents knew to bring her into the DO. And I, I, I gave her two treatments a month just to get my hands on flesh that had been cultivated that way throughout its growth. And she was a splendid example of a sturdy pioneer woman. She was symmetrical, she was solid, she covered the ground, she stood on, you just knew she could deliver her own babies and then go back to work. She was, she was incredible, incredible. And it was a privilege to see this level of health, this structural health, and it wasn't being provided for her by structural specialist who done special residencies and trained with high level masters. It was done by regular DOs out in primary care practices in America. I'm very proud of them. So cool. Yay. Um, so if people want to get in touch with you or if they, what's the best way to connect with you for services or if they perhaps live down in Southern California 
Um, how can people? Your, your best bet is to go online to osteopathiccranialacademy.org. Osteopathiccranialacademy.org. And their website will come up and they have a feature called Find a Physician. And you just put in your zip code and how far away you're willing to travel, 10 miles, 25, 50, and you'll get a list of practitioners. And while the work I showed today is not to be done by lay personnel, is not to be done by the untrained, anybody the Cranial Academy refers you to will be capable of, of reviewing this and knowing exactly what to do and where to go to do it. So great. And we're here at Bay Area Osteopathic Practice and Dr. Thomas, Tom McCombs is my uh, doctor and I absolutely uh, love coming here. My face actually feels really like kind of there's like a light energy inside the center of my head right now. It's yes. cool. I feel the opening. Um, yeah. I, 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 uh, I treat a number of married couples and I, I did that technique uh, to a to a husband who sat sat there for his wife's entire treatment, just grinning at the freedom in his head. <laughs> um, so please come um, reach out to this practice to uh, Dr. McCombs or get with an osteopath in your area. You will be very happy that you did. And um, yeah, that's it. So thank you so much. Thank you for doing this today. And I hope everyone um, enjoys this. I know I did and I've learned, I always learned so much coming here, but he's also a uh, Taoist priest, which I think is so cool. <laughs> I love that. If you're you. in the office, this is all has beautiful um, pictures in it. And uh, yeah, this is a, it's a great place. So we will see you guys all soon. Please consult your licensed medical professional for any and all medical advice. The information contained here has not been evaluated by the FDA. This information is not intended to treat, diagnose, cure, or prevent any disease and is provided for educational purposes only. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare providers with any questions you have regarding a medical condition and before undertaking any diet, supplement, exercise, or other health programs.